and that's why I'm doing a solo acoustic show. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn to rock more and suck less. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. Yeah, normally that's where Adam would say, well, the other way around, he would have started it. And then I would have said, I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. Adam Johnson, who normally joins us from Atlanta, Georgia, is on vacation this week. He's at the beach with his family, having a great time if you can go by Facebook. We'll talk about whether you can go by Facebook in just a bit. So I am single seating this one today. And I got a couple things I want to cover. Probably be a fairly short one. I bet I do have some ideas I want to drop on you. Some things that have been up lately. I want to start out with a little recap of uh, a little bit of a story about my show last night. Um, I have been talking for the last couple of weeks on the podcast about the cold that I've been getting over. And uh, two weeks ago, I felt it coming on. I didn't feel great. And I sounded bad. <laughs> I listened back to the episode. I sounded bad. And then last week, I felt like I was uh, probably 80% over it. I got to my gig last night, the first one I've had since, since you know, starting to feel crummy. And I knew I was not 100%. I'm still very phlegmy in my throat and full of gunk. And I tried to kind of clear that out all day, but I got there knowing it was going to be a little bit of a tough night. And uh, in fact, during the first half, the first set, yeah, I could feel my voice going. It was it was bad. I was starting to feel kind of husky, you know, and certainly not um, starting to lose the top end of my range. And uh, yeah, it was it was rough. At the break, I um, I stepped away, and uh, fortunately, I do this podcast with this really smart singer guy who's like really well trained, and we've done some episodes about vocal warm up and preparation. Which, if I had listened to before the show started, I would have been in better shape. But instead, I was found myself at the break in the back room of this brewery doing sirens and lip bubbles and trying to do some warm up stuff to get my voice back in shape. And, uh, and in fact, in the second part, things did come back together. Actually, that helped a whole lot. I was able to really finish the show pretty strong. Um, I did leverage my vocal situation into, uh, I manipulated the crowd into doing some sing-along stuff with me. And of course I bent my set list toward some of those great ones that get a whole room screaming, you know, What's up, four non blondes, that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's like catnip for a room like that. You just have to you just have to know that you're being a manipulative uh, room, you know, shaper to do that sort of thing, manipulator of the energy. But crowds love it, and so uh, I used it because it would have been rough for me to try to sing out that whole night. Anyway, got home feeling kind of better. I don't know. We'll see what our next, uh, our next gig looks like. I'm not playing again until next Wednesday. So that gives me even more time to recover. So hopefully we'll do all right. I'll give you an update next time. I know everybody cares a lot <laughs> about how Adam and I play. It's an interesting thing. One of the things I want to talk about is the, the phenomenon of momentum and as you know, an object in motion is going to tend to stay in motion. An object at rest is going to tend to stay at rest. And I have experienced in my life a lot of the work that it takes to get yourself in motion when you're at rest. And that's been a, a real part of the story of my music career is the experience of like getting the ball rolling, getting my, getting my, my own energy up, um, on an episode of Gig Gab a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dave Hamilton said a great thing, which was, if you call me at 3 p.m. on a gig day and tell me the show is canceled, you will be my favorite person. 
And it's not that I don't want to do the show. It's not that I don't love doing shows. It's just at that moment, what it takes to get myself there is just a lot. And to suddenly not have to do that would be just a massive relief. I so identified when he said that. Um, Because there is this feeling of getting myself over some hump, you know, getting, getting, getting the ball rolling from a standstill that just takes a ton of energy. And that really was the experience for me of coming back out of COVID and coming back into this whole gigging thing. You know, I've leaned really hard into the solo acoustic thing, um, over the last couple of months. And in fact, I am now in the presence of a ball that is rolling. Since my last mention of this on the show, I've had four venues reach out to me on referrals from places I'd just played. My calendar's starting to fill up just on referrals. I'm playing a show and people are picking me up for a couple, three extra dates here and there at the places that I play. And then every show, it seems like I'm getting an email, a phone call, something from somebody else. I played a place in Lexington, North Carolina, which is about half an hour south of, of Greensboro here. And a guy came up and asked me for my card. And next thing I knew, the, the, there was a winery calling me, looking for me for me out there. So I have two dates there coming in a couple of weeks. So I'm now in the presence of a ball that's rolling. And enough so, in fact, that I kind of feel like I need to be careful with it. Because I could very easily you know, book myself way out beyond what a weekend warrior would do. I mean, I currently have between recording a podcast one night a week and doing the trivia one night a week. Uh, that's two standing weekly weeknights that I'm essentially booked and not available for family stuff. And my family knows that they support me very, very well, but there really is this thing called work-life balance that, uh, you know, even, even now as I'm thrilled and overjoyed about coming back in front of crowds and really loving how that is and how it feels. And God, it's even better than I remember. Frankly, it's even better. Um, but there is this pull to overbook myself and overcommit and get booked out three, four, five nights a week. And, um, it just really wouldn't work with the rest of my life. So I'm trying to be really careful and really thoughtful about that. And part of that has to do with how you position yourself, how I position myself, how we position ourselves to our audience and to our venues that we're working with. You know, I have this great relationship now with a venue in town called Bull City Cider House. And they want me for everything. They just want me for everything. The trivia, they'd like me to do it two nights a week. There's no way I could do that, but they'd like it. And um, I have conversations with the manager there about how my trivia is the biggest thing that they do. It's the biggest event of their week. And, um, and they trust me now. They'll put me into other nights because they know that I can hold my own on their stage and make a show out of it and be engaging. They have a lot of people who have tried out on their stage and been sort of the person in the corner with the guitar that doesn't really keep anyone around and and maybe doesn't even really know that's the game. You know, the game is people dropped in to get one drink and what am I going to do to keep them here for two, three, four, I don't know, you know, however many they will to stay with me, stay with me because I'm playing. That's, that's our mission. That's our goal. And so I think he's had a lot of people there who have been there to perform, but haven't really understood that what that takes is engagement. What that takes is reaching out. I actually went there a few nights ago because there was a food truck I like, and a friend of mine who does pastries was doing a pop-up there. And, and there was a young woman playing music and it was, um, fine. It was fine. 
she was there. Uh, she was playing music. All right. Uh, but it was kind of her stage presence was shy. Um, I don't think she said anything between songs. Maybe she said this one's an original before st- or starting one, which is usually a mistake to say. And there was really no engagement. There was no reaching out and, and we did not stick around. I tipped her and we got out. Um, and a, a, you know, a player who really engages the crowd, who reaches out and grabs you and entertains you and keeps you. That's not the experience. I stick around. So that's part of the thing is you always want to make sure that you are aware of what it's going to take to keep those folks in their seats and, uh, and what it takes is engagement. What it takes is being a human on stage, reaching out and connecting with the human that's sitting in that chair. That's a big part of it. And I thought about this when I was looking at a question that we got on Facebook from a listener named Paul Longden. Here's his question. This is really interesting. Pre-COVID, I had two, this is, he's mostly talking about solo acoustic. He's kind of gave a preface of that. Pre-COVID, I had two weekly gigs, Friday and Sunday, and Saturday was a rotation of three or four other places. The regulars have closed since then due to COVID. I'm trying to get my name back out, but it seems I'm an unknown as I was only at these now closed places. I'm thinking of moving my social media advertising toward restaurant owners rather than fans. Do you think it's a good idea? And what should I be posting to interest restaurant owners? I have no problem paying to boost and direct my content. Cheers. So cheers, Paul. Thanks for the questions. Really uh, a great question. And I'm sure Adam would have some thoughts about this that, um, that uh, would be worth getting. Maybe he and I'll follow up on this question next week. But the thing that jumped out at me about this was I have always been really clear that as a performer, I have two brands. I have the brand that I direct to the booker. And that brand has to do with being a professional, being mature, being reliable, being able to talk the game of the business they're in. You know, if they're in the business of selling pints of beverage, I need to be able to talk that game. I need to be able to say to them, listen, I'm going to take a break at such and so time, you know, to send people up to refill their drinks. That's part of the, that's part of the deal. It's part of what the show is. Um, or I need to be able to say, you know, I need to be able to talk like I understand that the game is that the keeping people there is what, what it's about. I need to be reflecting my brand in all of the aspects of my behavior around that person. So showing up on time, coming with um, much my first meeting with them with good marketing materials, well thought out and well produced materials to hand them. And certainly with quality stuff in my social media to demonstrate my abilities. That's one whole brand. I have this brand that faces that audience. And then I have a brand that faces the audience called listeners, like literally an audience. And that brand is who I project on stage. And it's fun. It's entertaining. It's light. It's happy. You know, it's, um, uh, you know, I step on stage and I become that. And I'm not that when I'm talking to a booker. I'm somebody else. I am the brand facing bookers when I'm talking to a booker, a venue, um, restaurant owner, in the case of Paul's question. And... So I think the, the question rises from there. I, there. It does take different targeting and different messaging and a different approach, different branding to talk to those two things. So the spirit of this question is good. Now, I think that a, a marketing strategy toward venues that depends on Facebook is almost certainly doomed. Facebook does not want you 
really using their platform to connect to people. That's the myth of Facebook these days. It used to be that way, but it's not anymore. Even if you pay, you're not going to get your ad out toward, um, I don't even know if you can target restaurant owners as a, as an ad targeting group. I don't know even know how you would do that. Um, for me, I think the, the value of social media when you're talking to a booker is that it's social proof. It's evidence that there, there are listeners out there who have enjoyed you. There are videos showing you doing the job well. They can't see how the bar total was the, that night, you know, the night that you played and took that video. They can't tell that. But they can tell there are people there bouncing around, having a good time. They can tell that your performance is high quality. They can hear people engaging maybe in the video or see that. So I think that the, the content you want to have out in Facebook um, and other, other social media should not necessarily reflect the brand that you want to project to the, the, the booker. I think, I don't even know what that content would be. Adam may have some ideas for that next week and we'll, we'll maybe we'll have that talk. But for me, what you want to put on Facebook is evidence for the booker that you can do the job for the audience, for the listener, for the people that are there to listen. I think that's what they are looking at social media for. And I think that's what you want to, you want to put there. And then how you engage with those bookers. For me, the only success I've ever had has been to be in person with them, to go actually into where they are and sit down with them and talk with them and find out what they need and find out how you can be a solution to their problem. I have a whole strategy around this. We talked about it in an early episode, one of the first 10, I think. Uh, But in short, it involves actually physically going out and bar hopping and seeing people and talking to them about what they need. There's a time of week to do it. And I'll tell you right now, 3 p.m. Saturday is the time to do it because it's surprising how many managers are in on a Saturday afternoon. And 3 p.m. is after lunch, before dinner. They usually got a little bit of a gap. They can chat with you. Um, So that's my time to do that. And I I go in in person and I I don't think any content on Facebook or ad on Facebook, even, uh, paid ad placement bumped with money. I don't think that's going to replace any of that. So Paul, that's my answer to you. I think if you, if you, um, need to get your brand out there and that fundamentally is what you're talking about here. Your brand was tied to some venues that are now defunct. Uh, if you need to presence your band in the market, nothing's going to beat actual shoe leather on the ground to go do that. So I would not rely on Facebook for that. In fact, um, I've never had success relying on Facebook for that or email, by the way, <laughs> also a big failure. All right. I think those are the couple of things I wanted to cover. First of all, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, you can put your, whatever you're struggling with in terms of getting a ball rolling, uh, because once a ball's rolling, man, that object in motion wants to stay in motion. Um, and then managing the object in motion, uh, because uh, sometimes it'll get away from you, <laughs> roll down the hill on its own without you. Uh, and then one action that you want to take around that is to refine your brand and think about how it is, um, how it's shaped toward the different audiences that you interact with and what the best way to approach those audiences in, whether it is online or if something in person is more the way to go. All right. I told you it was a quick one. I just had those two quick things I wanted to lay on you. Hope everybody has a great, great week. We'll be back with Adam next week. So I'm going to go ahead and call it. From here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast for July 22nd. Have a great week. 
And that's how you rock more and suck less. Hey listener, this is Adam Moskowitz of the Van Band out of South Florida. Yes, another Adam. Adams are taking over the cover band scene. Get used to it. Sorry, Dan. On behalf of Cover Band Confidential, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Now, I know you want to support this cast, so this is how you do it. You subscribe, you leave a five-star review, you share this episode with your musician friends, and you throw a screenshot on your story. And you go ahead and you follow the podcast on all their socials. You got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all of them. These gentlemen, Adam Johnson of Members Only and Dan Ray of the Clinky Lincolns, have graciously given us vast amounts of great content. So as a thank you, go ahead and send them some green energy on their Patreon page. For real, send them some digital coins. And when you do that, you'll get access to the Slack back channel, which is just musicians and band leaders chatting about the craft of being in a performing cover band. Who wins? The losses. The behind the scenes goodness. If you play at least once a month for money, all I'm saying is break off a few bucks for your favorite podcast that you always listen to. Any questions, comments, hit up the Facebook group, send a text or voicemail to their hotline. That's 404-491-0910. You can also email coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. If you'd like, you can find my band on Instagram, Facebook, at VAMBAND. That's V-A-M BAND. Do it. Seriously, I want to see that CBC bump. Or you can find everything you need at VAMBAND.com. We started in 2019. We play funk, pop, soul, R&B, Motown in Southeast Florida. I play guitar and bag of vocals at Adam Moskowitz Music on IG. Also follow the CBC host on IG. That's at Adam Patrick Johnson and at Dan Ray Musician. Or visit coverbandconfidential.com for all the goods. I'm going to go ahead and call it. For Adam Moskowitz in Boca Raton, Florida, that was your outro bumper on Cover Band Confidential. Always be performing! (laughs) 